When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Pete, what's the most you've ever lost in a coin toss? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure that I probably have lost in a, to- in a coin toss. But honestly, what I think about when you say that is just how frightening the, the prospect of tossing a coin to make a decision is. The whole idea of giving up control or the illusion of control, it's frightening to me. You'd have to be pretty desperate to find yourself in a situation where you would make a very important decision based on how the coin lands after you flip it. Yeah, and we certainly see that play out in this episode of Breaking Bad, the cat's in the bag. So watching this episode when Walt and Jesse flip the coin to decide who's going to handle Emilio and who's going to take care of Crazy Eight reminded me of the coin toss from No Country for Old Men. You remember the scene when Anton Sugar goes into the gas station and he makes the attendant call the the flip? and yes, um, great the old scene, man, great scene. He, yeah, it's one of, I think it's one of the most chilling scenes in the whole film. And the old man ends up, you know, calling heads and he has no idea what he's really calling it for. And as it turns out, it was, you know, it's implied that, you know, Anton was going to kill him if, you know, he had picked the wrong side. So that made me curious about the, the history of coin flips. So I did a little bit of his, uh, research on it to, to learn more about like, how did this tradition start? Where does it come from? And it turns out that it, dates back to the Roman Empire, where it was originally known as heads or ships, or um, pardon my Latin here, it's a navia ots caput, which again means heads or ships, because on either side of their coins, they had the heads, which was the emperor, on the other side, they had like the front of a ship on it. And they played it a little differently than how we do, you know, today. So uh, in ancient Roman times, like whoever would flip the coin, um, they would already call it for someone and heads was always winning because that was the emperor side. Well, anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, since then, historically, right, like people use coin flips to settle disputes, um, to make a decision and rivalries, things like that. Um, We see it in like an American sports, I think of football, for example, uh, but there have been quite a few really momentous coin flips in in history. So a more couple... than more than who's going to dissolve the body in strong acid. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually, for um, for the uh, the big bopper and Freddie Valens, it actually ended up being a fatal decision. Ah. So in 1959, uh, the big bopper uh, Richie Valens and Buddy Holly were traveling. They were going to go to a gig. And one of the guitarists lost a coin flip to be on that plane with them. So I think it was either the Big Bopper, Richie Valens, who got that seat instead of this other guy. Tommy Alsup was his name. He was one of the guitarists. And so it was, uh, you know, the day the music died is how we we know that Mm. that historic moment. But it was ultimately for this one guy decided by by a coin. Um, So, you know, in that case, it was a very momentous and significant uh, decision to leave something like that up to fate. And then there have been other things like, um, for instance, like in 1903, Orville and Wilbur uh, Wright tossed a coin to to decide which of them would be the first to take flight. Uh, and that is the first historic flight um, in North Carolina. And yeah, so I, I just I think it's really interesting to to, I mean, because you don't really think of it as something significant, right? Like it might be like you flip a coin to decide who's going to maybe pick what movie you're going to watch or like who has to like go out to the restaurant to pick out, you know, to get the takeout or whatever. Um, and then sometimes these things end up being significant. Um, you know, it's is it is it a question of fate? Is it a question of, you know, free will? And I wanted to, to bring it bring it back to. Um, to uh, No Country for Old Men, because at the end of that film, there's that moment, and spoiler alert, sorry if you haven't seen it, but what are you doing with your life? Go watch No Country for Old Men. It's such a great movie, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which came out in 2007. So I'm sure like Gilligan and everyone that works on Breaking Bad has probably seen the movie, not that they were influenced by it, but you know. Uh, 
there's this scene where Anton Sugar walks into uh to where Carla Jean is staying, so Llewellyn's wife, and he um he's he's goes there to kill her at the end. And he has this coin again and he you know, he asks her to to call it and she refuses. And she tells him that she's not going to to call it because the coin has no say one way or another. It's him, right? And I think that that point really drove it, drives it home that like it was never really about fate, you know, or leaving it up to chance. It was always this character driving the decisions. Anton Sugar, you know, this like psychopath, you know, who goes around killing people, but then he does these these things like coin flips and stuff like that to to decide who lives or dies. And it got me thinking about Breaking Bad, and it got me thinking about this decision to who's going to disincorporate the body and who is going to have to deal with Crazy Eight, who's going to have to kill the person they have locked in the basement. And is it There's a no question- real winners there, you know, just to point it out really quickly. Not, n- neither one of those things is anything that you would expect to have to do when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, definitely not, right? I mean, they're both really, really awful choices. And in that scene with Walt and Jesse, you see Jesse like, no, no, no. Like he decides when he knows it's going to be left up to fate, like to this coin flip about what he has to do. He wants to take care of the body and he calls heads and he wins. And little factoid about coin flips. There was a, a mathematician at Stanford who did like a study, like trying to figure out like probability, like what are the odds that it actually is going to land one way or the other. And it's not actually 50-50, at least according to this this one Stanford mathematician, it's actually 51-49. And if you flip a coin while its head's facing up, there's a 51 out of 100 times it's going to land on heads. So, uh, and of course, Jesse calls heads. So 51 out of 100 times, it's going to land on heads. And in this case, it worked out in Jesse's favor. Okay, so he's a distributor. Okay, so is he... Is, in other words, what is his reputation for violence? Well, um, he did try to kill us both yesterday, so there's that. This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Pete. And we're joined by our producer, Talitha Barco. So, Pete, will you give us a brief synopsis of Season 1, Episode 2, The Cat's in the Bag? Yeah, so it turns out that Crazy 8 is still alive. Walt and Jesse, they thought they had killed two people, but one of them is still alive, and now they have to figure out what to do with him. Plus, they have Emilio's body, the other one, who is uh, starting to decompose there in the back of the RV. Skylar grows suspicious after Jesse calls the house pretending to be AT&T. Walt struggles with working up the nerve to do what he has to do. He goes to strangle Emilio with a plastic bag, but ends up feeding him and giving him supplies instead. Skylar and Walt find out that they're having a girl. Their, their upcoming child is going to be a girl. And she confronts him about who is this Jesse Pinkman. Of course, Walt lies. Skylar then confronts Jesse as he's moving the body. And Jesse dissolves Emilio in that upstairs bathtub, ignoring Walt's directions to use polyethylene or LDPE plastic. So it's one of those episodes where... We pick up right where we left off and we see that things are spiraling out of control in a pretty consistent direction. Um, Not exactly what they were hoping to have happen when they went out into the desert there, but um, they are getting through it, I guess you could say, and it's bringing up all kinds of new obstacles. What did you think about this episode overall? Uh, so my overall impression is that I, I feel like this is a really solid episode. And for me, what it does is it highlights one of the things that I think both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul do really, really well. And that is showing us how characters problem solve. And it takes its time showing us that process, right? So like they're faced with the, like they have these two, they have a body that they have to deal with. And now they have this 
um, person that they have locked up in the basement that they have to decide what they're going to do with. And um, as, as you know, stress and tension is starting to mount at home, you know, Skylar's growing more and more suspicious. Uh, it really invites the viewer to imagine how we might behave in this, this sort of situation. Um, which I, yeah, I think it really grabs you and pulls you in and really gets you to be really invested in what happens with these, these characters, you know, like you find yourself rooting for them and wanting them to succeed in what they're trying to do. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, this is a real shifting of gears from the pilot, which, you know, it moved at a breakneck pace. It was pretty relentless. Here we see, as I said, that things are getting out of control fast, but Walt still has to live his life. I mean, there's it's kind of hilarious that he goes into work the next day, but it kind of makes sense at the same time. I like how the show illustrates how just, you know, obviously we're seeing how they're both in over their heads and just weren't prepared for this. But like the way that it illustrates how organically it's happening, you know, how it's how it's just a, a, a series of things that are, are coming from this one decision that that he made. And, you know, it shows us that through the way that we see him take that look in the mirror in his bathroom mirror and just sort of see like, oh my God, what is going on here? And then later, whenever there's that great shot where he realizes that his, you know, his daughter, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be around long enough to see her grow up, which is the thing that Skylar is is talking about. Yeah, that's such a heartbreaking line, you know, like that moment that, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, like on the one hand, it's a slow episode, it, 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 but it's moving at the pace of life, I guess, and and that's always something that works really well, I think, if you can pull it off, and I, I think they do here. Uh, we do see, you know, there's some things that really jump out here on the rewatch. Um, we see Walt's tendency to look outward and blame someone else for his mm-hmm. problems. You know, the things that come up. He, he sort of, uh, you know, he's quick to to find somebody else instead of himself that is, you know, is the reason why this is happening. And then, you know, the way that Jesse looks to him for validation every time he does anything that he thinks is helpful or or he did a good job. You know, it's a, he's like a he's like a little kid in a way who who yeah. just wants to, you know, he just came home with his his report card and he wants, uh, you know, he wants to get that 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 validation you know you're a good boy you're you're doing good stuff out there yeah Um, like a little puppy (laughs) yeah and all of those things of course will be really important going you know coming up throughout the series but you know you see you see little 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 hints of those here for the first time yeah and I'm, i'm glad you mentioned that because that moment, there's oh, there's so much great acting in this episode, and the look on Jesse's face. So, the, I think the moment you're referencing, it's after he's uh, got he's got the idea to get the bike lock out of the garage, and he puts it around Crazy Eight's neck and chains him to the pole in the basement. And um, <laughs> the look on Jesse's face is like this moment of pride, and there's a lot of humor in in that moment, but it's also you. The, the profound and the profane, right? Like you have like these really light, funny moments in this episode. And then it's also really, really dark. Like they're, they have this man chained up like an animal in their basement, which is not funny at all. And, um, you know, they're dealing with some really serious situations, like trying to dissolve a body, for example. So I really appreciated the, the humor in it, but also how the stress of this situation, as you, to your point, really starts to reveal their character, right? And that's something that really stood out to me in this episode, too, is um, how how it kind of starts to really peel back and reveal who these, these characters are, perhaps. So I, I kind of think of this as like, as like Walt's becoming in a way. So um, there's uh, that line in the that he gives when he's in the classroom towards the beginning of the episode. And this is uh, shortly, this is right after, you know, Jesse calls and he's like, you know, I think he's still alive. And then Walt goes to work, you know, (laughs) he goes to teach class and he's talking about um, chorality. So the, um, and he's describing chorality as, uh, 
I know like he shows like the right hand and the left hand being mirror images of each other and how they're um, similar. Like they look like mirror images, but they're chemically different. And he goes on to say active, inactive, good, bad. And I really started to think of that as um, as as a way of understanding Walt in this particular episode. So um, you mentioned a little earlier, you mentioned the moment where he looks into the mirror, Pete, when he's in the bathroom. And yeah, yeah and, and I, I was thinking about this as well in terms of that sort of mirror image. And actually on the board while he's giving this speech, it says non-superimposable mirror images. So you have this like split of Walt. You have like Walter White, the good husband, the school teacher, but then you also have like what he is becoming, what we know is going to eventually turn into into Heisenberg, which I think feeds back a little bit to this idea of like like fate. And this is something I was sort of playing around with, like thinking about, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So we know that that Walt lost the coin toss. He's going to have to be the one that's going to kill Crazy Eight. And that, that doesn't actually happen until the next episode. But we know that it's coming, right? Like we know that this is a reality that they're going to to have to face. And there's no curious. there's no way that that they they can leave this guy alive. It, it's pretty important, I think. Um, that's going to develop a little bit more going into the next episode. But you know that that's that's one of the it's a, it's a it's a it's a straightforward situation. Like if you just look at it without emotion or morality. Um, yeah. You know that that's really that's really what what makes this work because they they have to sort of like you said you use the word becoming I mean I think they they do have to become someone else or something else in order to get through this situation it's not a situation that's going to work itself out it, it 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 demands action and they're not necessarily up for it. Or, or you know they're they're they weren't made for it maybe is a way to say it but that well, doesn't I... change the, the fact that they have to move through it you're listening to growth decay transformation we'll be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live.
Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth decay transformation. Well, that, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about, right? So this question of was he made for it? Um, or is this something that he actually becomes? And again, I was thinking about this fate question, right? Just to briefly, just um, bear with me, like going back to the coin, right? So the fact that he is going to kill Crazy Eight, is this where the soul really starts to erode? Or you don't have to think of it in terms of the soul, but is this when he actually really starts to really become Heisenberg or has it always been there? Like the Anton Sugar, Carla Jean scene where she's like, it was never about the coin. It was always you. And I guess that's why I was thinking of, of Walter White um, and, and thinking of that connection to the coin flip in, in No Country for Old Men. Um, I don't think we actually have like an answer one way or the other. I think it's up to every viewer to decide. I was just curious, like what your, your thoughts were on that, but you pretty much just answered it. Yeah, I, I think that, that, you know, what works best about this early stuff, because we're not supposed to know. Uh, mm -hmm. We know because we watch or we have ideas, I should say. We don't you never really know, but we have ideas about it because we've seen the whole story. But when you're introduced to the, the, this character and I guess, you know, this the first episode did a great job of introducing us to his situation, like who he was. And the, and the work of this episode then is that it needs to show us how he's developing these relationships and how he's, how he's adapting to this new world that he finds himself in. And um, so, yeah, I think it, here what, what, what works best is that we're not supposed to know. We, yeah. we, 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 we can just see it on the surface as this guy is really in over his head. These two people together Yes, he's good at chemistry. So he made, uh, according to at least Jesse's, you know, Jesse's, uh, what Jesse told us at the end of the, the pilot, that he did a really good job of, of cooking the product. But he, you know, that's not enough to make it in this world. Uh, Jesse has an idea of how the business works. You know, we saw that here, uh, it, you know, that has its limits too. We kind of get a good idea about that throughout this episode, but neither one of them have what, what would be required to, to navigate this world. So yeah. I guess the question that we see here is, can they then come together and be, you know, and be a force that can do it? Or as you're saying, you know, is this all just the way things worked out? And it's and like I said, I think it's it's interesting on that that we have a question that we can't answer. And I think that the way that they're presenting things in this episode is it's to tell us that there's no way they can get they they can. They, they're not those people. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, it's the age old question, nature or nurture. Is this already in them or is it their environment and these pressures in their environment that turn them in? to what they become and make them do the things they have to do. And certainly in this case, right, like they have they have problems that they have to solve. So at the they have to get rid of a body, they have to deal with this person in the basement. And I don't want to get too much into talking about in the bags in the river, because I think there's so much to talk about in the, yeah. what happens between Crazy Eight and Waltz. And I look forward to the yeah. next episode where we can unpack that a little bit more. But um yeah, th th to go back to something you were you were just talking about, I think they are incredibly lucky, right? Like they are so bumbling and they're so like clumsy and they have no idea what they're doing in the beginning. So like, for example, like when Crazy Eight gets loose, like rewatching this, I was like, why didn't they like secure the RV? Why did they just leave him? <laughs> they knew he was kind of alive. He was making, you know, gasping sounds. And then he's able to break free. And it just so happens that Walt was driving at that exact moment as Crazy Eight is, you know, lumbering down the street gasping and he's able to collect him and put him in the car without anybody seeing, you know, that that's just incredibly fortunate, incredible luck um, that they have, or at least it seems like they do in the beginning. Yeah. And I think, you know, whenever you're, whenever, well, to go back a little bit, like when you were talking about, uh, is, is it already in them? Um, you know, that's something that we will get into as, as things go on. But for, for what we're watching right here, if we think about Walter's motivation, his motivation was to, to leave something behind for his family, you know, to, to do this, take, take on this new endeavor 
make some meth, make some money, leave it behind for his family. If he doesn't, if they don't get rid of Emilio's body, if they don't get rid of Crazy Eight, then he goes to prison. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no other way around it. Um, one way or another, he's going to end up locked up, and 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 then he can't provide for his family at all. He'll die of cancer in that process. And not only will that happen, but he'll also he'll also leave a stain, uh, the stain of, of what he did behind. So, you know, from his point of view and from based on his motivation, he has to figure out how to 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 do this. And and there's no there's no good there's he, as long as he thinks about it or or, you know, goes through and and there's no way that he can solve this problem the the solution is to get rid of these people uh so i think that that's you know pretty smart writing to say that hey um you can't really say here because he has to do this based on the motivation that we laid out for the you know for the beginning of this story yeah, yeah, and to and to your point, right? Like it is a, a problem that that must be solved. And as we were talking a little bit at the beginning, right? Like one of the best things about this episode is that it shows us how they actually go about that process of trying to figure things out. And um, we had spoken a, a little bit off camera before when we were talking about you know this uh, this uh, episode. And um, Pete, you said something. What, what was it that you said? Oh, you were talking about the um, how they were sitting around the table. And they're trying to figure out what to do and how much you, you love that scene because uh, Jesse's like, you're a scientist, you're supposed to know. And he's like, I don't know, I've never done this before, you know. <laughs> so and I found like, again, just to 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 touch on like how because like the, the situation that they're fine, that they find themselves in is so incredible in terms of like being like extraordinary, like it is such an unusual situation to find yourself in. Um, and like, how would how would normal people go about that? Um, and and resolve a, a problem like that, and actually getting to see them go through those paces, I think, is is really interesting. Um, and and it ends up being, in my opinion, riveting television. Um, not a lot happens in this episode until towards the end. I mean, there are some like big moments, of course, uh, you know, like that that happened throughout. But it is a, a a slower pace after coming off of the pilot. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I wrote down in my notes whenever I was watching was because it's a, it's a, it is a ticking clock, which is a, a you know, thing that you see over and over again in, in TV series. Uh, they have, you know, um, Emilio's body is decomposing. It's mm -hmm. out in, in the, the New Mexico summer, I guess, or in the, you know, at least the, you know, it's in the weather, so it's not going to. It's not something that they can just leave there and come back to later. They have to deal with it, and but but like you said, compared to the the pilot, it does slow down so much because we have to watch these characters work through these things because we don't really know. I mean, you could have cut this a totally different way. You could have done it like so that they just clean this up and then they talk about it afterwards. Like, wow, that was really crazy. How you know. We we thought about how to get out of this in the nick of time or whatever and move on to the next thing. But I think this is to its credit. You know, this is something that 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 it does better than a lot of shows. And it's something that elevates it on, uh, on you know, in a way. So what I wrote in my notes to, to get back to that was that it, it was it's a ticking clock, but it's it's a slow motion ticking clock because these people, you know, just are just not ready for what what the situation requires of them and so they're they're facing the clock they can't stop but you know walt still goes to work and and he you know he he leaves the they like you said they leave the body overnight because they don't even know what to do they're just hoping against hope that he might die anyways and they won't have to deal with it themselves yeah and this this ticking of the clock you know i i think um, you, you mean that literally, like, right, with, like, the, the fact that there's the body that's going to start, you know, decaying in the, the yeah. heat. Yeah, the, the neighbors will start to smell that thing really soon. Yeah, but also the clock on, on Walt, right? So, like, part of this, this episode, once they do their little coin toss, right, and then it's, like, they're both trying to, to work up the, the nerve to do their tasks, right? So we see Jesse really struggling with, like, what he's going to have to do with Emilio's body. 
and um, we see him um, smoke a bowl, and then he goes and gets the body, and then he has that confrontation with Skylar. He smokes another bowl. So we really see how he starts to perform under uh, stress and pressure, and that's how he copes. And um, with Walt, we see that he kind of... It's not that he goes into like denial, but he's like, I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to go and live my life. I'm going to be a teacher, you know, but we see, um, we see the, the, the pressures on Walt as well. Like he's not really coping very well at this point. Of course, that's something that becomes very second nature to him. Like he doesn't, none of this would bother him in another, you know, six months or so. But, um, yeah, he, you know, I mean, he, you see it and, and he, it, he expresses it too, which yeah. is something that, that, that won't happen again, um, yeah. after a period of time. Yeah, and just like the prospect of having to kill Crazy Eight is really heavily weighing on him to the point that he hallucinates or imagines one of his students saying the word murder when he asks, you know, is this going to be mm-hmm. on the midterm? Um, yeah, so, I mean, it is it is a transitional episode uh, in, in terms of actually really watching how these characters are, are starting to change. But I, I feel like like it, the, there's a lot already there looking back to see like, Oh, we could see where they're going. Right. Like um, where they're, they're, they're definitely going with this. So I, again, I think back to that, that uh, lecture he's giving in that same um, scene that I just talked about with the student asking if this is going to be on the murder. That's when he's talking about chorality and the, the line active, inactive, good or bad. Um, I, I, I know I already mentioned this, but it, oh, it's it's so perfectly encapsulates this this man and how he thinks of himself, right? So we talked in the last episode about how passive Walter White has been, um, how he hasn't really, uh, you know, he doesn't take initiative. He lets his wife make all the decisions. Um, he just goes with the flow sort of thing. Um, so he would be like the inactive hand in the, you know, the chorality, I guess. Uh, up mm-hmm. there, and then we're seeing him now being forced to take action. So this, this, uh, the the impetus, right, or the imperative, rather, the imperative that he has to take action, he must do something about this, is forcing him into a position that he has not really been in before. He doesn't have a choice. He has to deal with this problem. Yeah, it, it's a little heavy-handed whenever you think about the two, you know, the the growth decay transformation. Uh, lecture in the first episode in front of the class and then this one. But I mean, you don't really, I, I didn't anyways, I didn't really think about any of this stuff whenever I watched it. I mean, the surface of level stuff is right there for you. You know, he, he's at work. He is uh, going crazy because he knows he has to deal with a dead body or take care of this situation. So, you know, you don't you don't really see it. But in retrospect, it, it is kind of kind of heavy handed. You know, in the first one, you get the the idea of what the whole series will be. It'll be about this this transformation, you know, this per, this character changing. And here you get sort of the hint towards he he looks the same, but he's totally different. Uh, you know, it, w- w- what is he going to turn into to be? He's going to become, you know, the evil, evil version of or yeah. the uh, har- harmful version of of himself. That yeah, looks the, exactly the same. The active bad mirror image. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but like I said, it, it doesn't take away from it at all. It's just kind of fun to go back and see that now. Yeah, it is. It is fun to go back and, and do a close watch it, like a close watch of it and pick up on these like little things that you missed before. Um, so like uh, the song playing when, when Crazy 8 like runs into the tree, baby, you knock me out, you know, just like yeah. those little, little things. Um, I don't remember if I noticed it or not the first time watching, but, but going back and really being able to appreciate how they constructed it. And of course, as you already noted, Pete, we know where it's going, right? So it's, I don't know if like Vince Gilligan, I mean, like, you know, whenever he's talked about like how they decided like how to write the story, he makes it seem like, you know, there was some idea maybe, but like it was like them kind of flying by the seat of their pants a lot of the time, like they were just inventing as they were going along. And maybe that's the genius of it. But you can see how like all the seeds are, are starting to be planted. Um, that, that will yeah. come to like, you know, fruition later for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, I, I don't want to go into it too much right now because I, I want to talk a little bit about how funny this episode is, but mm-hmm. he, you know, they have said that they, they go back and, and they, they look for things that they can build on. So it'll feel like it 
has been foreshadowing, even if they hadn't had that in mind in the first place. But yeah, like I want to talk a little bit about how funny this episode is. And, and it's okay. Just I'll acknowledge up front that it's a really dark episode. We're talking about killing people, but it's kind of, it's kind of great how they're able to do that. And, and it's not even like there's, there's some things that are just, ridiculously funny that I'll that'll never not be funny when I think about him and and one of those is how Jesse empties out his bag of weed <laughs> to make the ice pack <laughs> I, I this is not something that I picked up on until till much later of rewatching this but like it's the only bag he has in his house and that's like the where he goes you know whenever he's thinking like oh I got a bag right here you know, because he dumps it out and you see it there later and Walt finds it and smokes it or whatever. But I think that's hilarious that he doesn't have another plastic bag in his house and, and that he has to do that. And that's just it just happens so so uneventfully in, in the scene as it's playing out. There is a lot of humor. I agree completely in this episode. And I think, you know, to to your point, it's it's needed. Right. Because there there yeah. is so much dark, really disturbing stuff that happens. I mean, we watch a uh, a partially dissolved like torso or whatever that is fall through the ceiling. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so dark. And, and stuff. I think, and I think that's, that's what's, what's, what, what stands out the most is that it's not really the humor itself, but the intention of having that in there to lighten things up, to, to make it, you know, make it more palatable in a way without like, I mean, cause some of it's not that funny, at least not now in the, in the, in the way that it was like, you know, the wonder brawl thing and the, um, him actually running into the tree. I mean, like, I guess those are kind of played for, to be kind of, or, you know, even just mentioning milfs because, you know, those things were like more topical and that, that probably was a lot funnier mm -hmm. back then. But, but still, even when it, they don't all land because it's not a comedy, since nobody's really trying to be funny in the show, it's still, it's still really, uh, it's a smart, it's a smart decision to try to do that. And, and I, and I think like beyond just the other thing of it, of it being, you know, just at some points it just makes you laugh out loud. It also showcases stuff that they can do with, with Jesse as a character mm -hmm. that, that weren't, they, it wasn't apparent in in the pilot like he was we had mentioned this and we have talked about this uh, several times there's not much there with jesse as a character in the pilot um and it could be based on the fact that that's the way walt sees him he doesn't really see anything with him from his point of view but you can see now that they brought in the uh, you know the the writers room and they're developing these characters and I imagine they had decided at this point that he was going to stick around as a character. You can see them giving him some of that some of the some of that stuff that that feels really natural to to the way that the character is and it it's it, it I think it works pretty pretty well. What do you think about some of the some of that stuff with Jesse here? Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I think there's a lot of uh first of all, I think it's situational humor, right? Like a lot of the the stuff like isn't funny. Um like I don't think the Wonder Bra thing was even meant to be funny. I think that's like kind of like Walt being a really awkward person when he's lying or trying to conceal yeah. things and we see that that really that um but again, like to speak a little bit about that um when they're pulling the RV they have that, that guy that stops and helps them pull the <laughs> RV out of the ditch. And Walt's standing there without his pants on. And they're like, oh, you know, we ran off the ditch. And I, I was telling you, you got to get a GPS, man. And um, then Walt's like, oh, the coffee spilled all over him. He's waving his hands uh, frantically and stuff like that. There's They're like a, they're like a comedy bit. They're like a great duo in, in comedy like Laurel and Hardy. Or, you know, Jesse's later watching like the Three Stooges. Like they have that kind of act going on. And um, I, I love the lines. I love their their lines to each other. And again, it's not meant to be funny. Like what they're 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 dealing with dark things. But uh, some of Jesse's lines are so good. They are so so good. And uh, the the back and forth between them again, it's not really meant to be funny, but it is. Uh, so yeah. there's great humor in this episode. And I think that the way they play off each other really. Um, to your point, Pete, it really helps Jesse's character come to life, right? Like we see how how he is with Walt and how he plays off Walt and and uh, 
it's it's a it's a great relationship and i think this episode really starts to show us what this this relationship is going to be and can be do you remember the this is a question that i don't know if you'll be able to answer i'm not sure i can answer um do you remember when you were watching the series for the first time where Jesse started to grow on you or did he, or did you kind of like him from the beginning? I, I don't know. It's trying to, th- I, I remember being really annoyed by him. Yeah. That's what my, <laughs> that's what my feeling is too, that I thought he was just an annoying presence in, in the entire yeah. thing for a while. That That's what it felt like at least when I think. Yeah, back. I, I, I found him very obnoxious, but um, I found him endearing too, uh, at times kind of like that, that sort of puppy dog, you know, like he means well, and he's like wagging his tail, you know, but he's, just, you know, it's like, it's hard to hate someone like, like Jesse. I mean, there are things he does that really irritate me and he does awful, horrible things that are really, you know, condemnable. But, uh, in terms of when did I actually, when did he start to grow on me? I think when I saw like what Walt was doing to him and really how Walt starts to manipulate him, I started to feel bad for yeah. him and I started rooting for him, you know, um, so that that certainly happens later in the series. But there are, there are moments he's great comic relief, right? I enjoy him for that. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's yeah. Yeah, even even at his most obnoxious, it, it is sort of funny and, 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 it, and, it, and it kind of feels like it. it 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 wears a little thin a little bit like the uh the the biatch and, and all of that you know like uh but it it, it still works it, it, you can see why what they were trying to do and and how and how that um works out and it, and it is it, it does set up a situation later where you're kind of surprised on how much you know you care for him yeah definitely yeah, one of the other things is, you know, we talked about how they're out of their depth and I like how we we do get that sense that we're we're going through it with them when we think about like what would we do if we found ourselves in this situation? I mean, is at this point did you do you have any sense while you're watching it that they could have dealt with it a different way. I mean, to me, one of the things that's impressive about this is that you just, I, for me anyways, like when I'm watching, I'm thinking this is what they have to do. And it makes sense. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like I want them to make different decisions. Even I'm just, I'm just sort of, so it's just sort of sitting there taking it in and, and just excited to see how it all turns out. Yeah. I don't think at this point, I was I was really thinking like, oh, they shouldn't have done that or they should have done it this way or, you know, I mean, apart from like, you know, watching how like they they didn't know what to do with Crazy 8 or how to handle that, of course, and how he gets loose and stuff like that. And then they throw him down in the basement without locking him up. You know, they're making they're making um, some mistakes. And then, of course, Jesse makes the ultimate mistake towards the end when he decides to ignore Walt's advice and puts uh, Emilio's body in the bathtub with the hydrofluoric acid. Um, but in terms of like, could they have done things differently? Well, I mean, of course, like he could have turned himself in, but then the show would be over, you know? So yeah, I think that's what uh, I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. it, it really is easy to just sort of let go of any ideas that, you know, like armchair quarterback. I mean, th- I think that mm-hmm. changes throughout the series. Like you, you, you kind of think, well, why did you do that? You know, you, you get to a point to where you have a real, a real sense that, that they're actively making bad decisions. But here it's, it's really just the sense of these people are, are, are out of their depth. They're, they're in a situation yeah. that, that you wouldn't do much better in. And like I said, you don't, but I guess what's more important is that you don't feel like you actively want them to, to get out of the situation. It's more of a, it's more of like, I want to see what's going to happen rather than how, are, how is this going to work itself out? Yeah. And, and to your point, I, we are seeing them react, right? So they're, yeah. they have, they have a problem that they have to deal with and they're reacting to this problem. And that is what is guiding their decision-making. And I like how they, they sort of, uh, sort of parse that through that and try to figure out like, what is the best course of action? How are we going to do this? And, um, you know, Walt decides, let's flip a coin. That's one decision he makes, but it's a decision so that he doesn't have to make a decision. He's still not comfortable yeah. in this role of having to 
to make these really awful choices where later on in the series, we see he has no qualms with it. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm thinking of that. Yeah, um, I mean, that's one of his, yeah. that's one of his lines in this episode is you keep asking me, like I have an answer yeah. <laughs> or I, something along those lines. Right. Yeah. Uh, he really has, he, he has no idea. Yeah. So he's uh, still sort of working th- through, through the process and, and what he's, what they are going to do, how they're going to handle it. And he's, trying to delay making these decisions. And I think that's really what we see happen throughout this episode, especially when it comes to crazy eight. And finally, like when, when we see him go through that, like that, that whole scene where he's like picking up different weapons, like he picks up the knife first and he gets the hammer out of the drawer and then he goes and gets uh, Jesse's guns. And then, you know, then he's holding the bag and he's like, Oh, the bag. And then of course, then he chickens out. And then what does he do instead? He, you know, he, he goes to the basement Crazy Eight is awake and he's like, oh, who's there? Who's there? And he freaks out and then he instead brings him water and food. And I just, I we've already talked a little bit about this, but I love the scene so much. And I love how the camera is trained on Crazy Eight's face through the whole thing as Walt is rolling first yeah. the water to him and then the, the sandwich and the toilet paper <laughs> and the bucket and the hand it's sanitizer. A really great, it's a really great setup. I mean, we didn't talk about that. You can you can get into a little bit more of that here if you want because the way that that is set up and and what you said when we had this conversation is I think is, is pretty good. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a it's a horrible situation. He has this, this man chain, chained up in a basement. He's going to kill him. That is the intention. That is the ultimate goal. And, um, but he, he can't work up the, the, the nerve at this point to do it. And so instead decides to, to, there's some human humanity in him, right? Like he, he's compassionate. He gives him water and it's just, it's so funny, right? I mean, it's not funny, ha ha, well, it, but it's, it's, it's yeah, it, it's the way that it's set up. And, and this is the way that you described it to me. I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but the way that they have the camera, sh- they have it, they have it focused on, on crazy eight who's who's locked there and you see each one of those items slide into the frame Mm -hmm. you know it's from the point of view of the of the of the of the items coming into frame and each one of them is it makes sense right you Mm -hmm. know what i mean if you're going to keep this guy down there he needs to have have these things uh but then then it's the it's the hand sanitizer yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah. So like, yeah, like the water makes sense, right? Because that's what he asks for. All he asks for is water. So he brings him a couple yeah. jugs of water. But then he went through the trouble of making this guy a sandwich. And so you can see it on Crazy's face, right? Like he's looking at him like he's trying to size this guy up. Like what? Like WTF yeah. are you doing? You know? And yeah. um, so like, okay, like he was nice enough to bring him food. And then you see the toilet paper or the bucket first, right? And you're like, okay, well, he doesn't, you know, want a mess maybe to clean he's up. He's got to relieve himself. Yeah, so the bucket makes sense. But then the toilet paper rolls through and you're like, he's actually being thoughtful. And then, of course, then the hand sanitizer. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to keep you chained up like an animal. I'm going to kill you. But there's no reason yeah, you should you're have gonna like... Yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, there's no reason you should have germs on your hand until then. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Walt's logic. And it's that, again, it's that split. And and we talked a little bit about this in, in the previous episode, this sort of compartmentalization. And I've already talked a lot about it in terms of like the chorality, the, the mirror images of himself. But... You know, he's he's uh, still turning, shifting into into um, Heisenberg. But then there's always that like these moments where, you know, it's like he's so practical and thoughtful and out of character with like the reality of the situation. Don't forget your pants. We'll be back after this short break. Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth, decay, transformation. And, and, and it's just, and it's just a, it's a situation that nobody really knows how to handle themselves in. Uh, you know, that's something that crazy eight picks up on. That's something that he's going to, to try to leverage and as things move forward. And, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that one little marker that they use to, to really, to highlight that. And it's, you know, Walt saying, you don't like the crusts when he sees mm-hmm. that he tears the crust off, off the sandwich. And, um, you know, it's just sort of like, what else do you say? What do you say when you have a guy there chained to a pole <laughs> yeah. that you're, you're, you're trying to work up the nerve to kill. And just really quickly, I want to go back because the plastic bag was, that was the ultimate 
choice. Like if you had to, if you had to do that with uh, the least amount of resistance and, and when he was asleep, if he, if he would have used the, the plastic bag, that actually was the, the ideal solution that unfortunately he woke up and then now we have to, he has to deal with him and, and take care of him because he can't just, you know, kill him and murder him in uh, cold blood. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really do look forward to the the next episode where we'll get to to talk a, l- a lot more about the relationship between Crazy Eight and and Walt and um, how the how that whole thing unfolds. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, and it, and I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, those those moments in looking in the mirror in the bathroom, realizing that he's not going to be there when Holly grows up not knowing what to say, talking about giving him the hand sanitizer, cutting off the, uh, you know, watching him and recognizing the humanity and taking off the, uh, the crust. I mean, it's, it's all set up for, for, for what's going to happen in the next episode. So yeah, as far as this episode is concerned, is there anything else that you wanted to get into before we went into our favorite line and favorite shots? No, I think we're good. I, I, I'm, as I said, I'm looking forward to next episode and talking more about how, um, how this, this will play out. Yeah, me too. So with that, what is your favorite line in episode two? Well, probably a surprise to no one because I've mentioned it like a hundred times already. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that um, when, when he's in the classroom talking about chorality and he says, uh, though they may look the same, they don't always behave the same. And, uh, you know, he, he goes into describe like thalidomide and yada, yada, yada. How about you? What was what was your favorite line? I, I think it might be more about the way it's delivered than than what he's actually saying. But when he says, in other words, what is his reputation for violence <laughs> when he's talking about, um, you know, he's talking about Crazy Eight being a businessman. And, you know, it's we, we, we say it as a favorite line, but obviously what Jesse says afterwards is also a big part of why that, that works so well. And there's that. I mean, if I could say that, uh, you know, that would be a close second um, when he says, <laughs> well, yeah. he, tried to kill our, our, he tried to kill us yesterday. You know, it's a pretty good indication of, of, of violence so right there, that. you know, there's yeah. that. Yeah, that was my um, that was my follow up choice actually. So there's that uh, was my second choice after the the line about chorality, um, and I love it because we we talked about the humor in this episode and the relationship between Walt and Jesse, and I think that sort of one upmanship that we're starting to see between them, like the the way they play off each other. So the first instance is in what you're just describing that scene where he's asking if crazy eight is like, you know, open to reason. And Jesse's like, Mm -hmm. no, well, you know, he did try to kill us. So there's that man. And um, again, they return to that in um, towards the end of the episode. And I'll go ahead and just say what my favorite shot is because it's connected to this. So my favorite shot of the episode is after, um, the bathtub has fallen through and we see Jesse and Walt through the bathtub. So the camera is positioned over the bathtub and we see them standing on the floor below looking up through it. And I yeah, it, it would have been my, it, it would have been my favorite shot too. If you hadn't picked it first, it's a, it's a great one. Yeah. It's cinematic. And the reason why I, I like it so much is not just how it frames them, but also how like it's, it's a, it's a, a framing that we see elsewhere through the series. So I, of, of course, think of the very famous shot of Walt in Crawl Space when they're looking through, um, you know, the floorboard yeah. in the water closet and uh, the, the hot water closet, and we see him underneath the house. So you get this idea of them um, standing, like, almost in a grave. And they are standing in Emilio's grave, literally, right? Like, this is where he yeah. his body has been um, disintegrated. So uh, it's... It's a harrowing shot, you know, and uh, it's and it's, it's a connected, one. like you said. It yeah. He, he says, and he he basically um lays into Jesse for, yeah. for not for not following his instructions, and then yeah. he says, "So there's that." Like he yeah. takes his his moment to uh to to get back at him for what they said earlier. Yeah, that stupid piece of plastic I wanted you to buy. Well, you'll see hydrofluoride will eat through ceramic glass so there's that you know <laughs> it was a great callback to to that line what about you yeah. what, was, what was your favorite shot of this episode 
Yeah, well, like I said, I was thinking uh, pretty much the same as you there. Um, I, I I think what I, what I landed on is the it's really the sequence of Jesse getting into that plastic container in the in the store in the in the hardware store and you know i mean it's just that it's funny it looks funny while he's doing it it's one of those things that that comes back to what we were saying earlier that he's he looks silly doing this but he's he's doing it because he's not because he's just a a complete idiot and he's he's joking around he's trying to see if a human body fits in it Mm-hmm. For a very specific purpose, you know what I mean. So on the one hand, it brings in that levity that you want to have whenever there's all this dark stuff going on inside that the episode. But on the other hand, I mean, it, you know, he's he's going through something. He's reacting to 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 trying to psych himself up for something that he 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 kind of knows that he can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's a lot it's there's a there's another layer there that that's really really fascinating yeah it's it's a great it's a great scene of him tipping almost tipping it over it's funny and um mm-hmm. again it, i think it also sort of highlights what what we've been talking about in this episode how it shows process right so he's trying to figure out you can see how he's thinking right like we can see like how would i how am i going to fit this body into this so it is um it's not just for laughs right like and he is kind of a bumbling idiot right you know he looks like this giant kid with his oversized clothes getting into this container in the middle of a hardware hardware store there is the concealer over his black eye that that i we didn't really touch on that at all but I, i always thought that was kind of a funny thing too like where he's just like oh nothing else to do while i got these dead bodies downstairs i might as well cover up this black eye i have here yeah yeah and i mean he's also high through the whole episode as well and um yeah. i think i think aaron paul does a great job uh really you know, good ch- job of being high yeah well one of his things right so like we we, we touched touched very briefly on like waltz like tells when he's lying like he starts oversharing he talks too much he gesticulates a lot, starts waving the hands and um, over. Yeah, he gives too much information. Um, and with Jesse, mm-hmm. he he talks aloud to himself. So like when he's dragging Emilio up the, the stairs and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll just like, you know, let this guy live in your basement forever. You know, just feed him three times a day, yeah. you know. And so he's he's uh, going on this this rant by himself. Um, so I forgot what I was saying. But yeah, like. We we get to really see these characters in these in these moments and the the comedy of it and I think the the scene that you picked is is a good one I think it is it is funny and it it reveals a lot about the the character he like he's trying to do well like that puppy eager to please right he wants to get the right thing yeah and then he decides not to and we see how that plays out just a, a complete aside uh i in in getting ready to make this i i was reading about um how mythbusters had an episode about this so i watched it and it turns out that none of this would actually work um i i, I always thought that whenever i watched the series the first time i was like if hydrofluoric acid like the kind that you just get in any high school made bodies disappear wouldn't that be way more common in you know uh, mystery novels and things like that like that everyone was being dissolved and disappeared in that fashion uh, it mm-hmm. turns out i watched it 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 doesn't work at all they they even got a more hardcore sulfuric acid and they mixed it with something else that activated it in a way that that would um you know, make it more corrosive and it, it doesn't work it, it, even on like they, they were able when they used the other solution, they were able to get rid of the, uh, the flesh from the, uh, they were using a pig, not a, not a human being, but it never ate through the bathtub. And it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's funny because these kinds of things, you know, they might hang someone up like, Oh, it's so terrible. They, why would they do that? It doesn't actually work, but it, it, it just, it just says a lot about the way that they set this up and they move through it that you don't really need to question it. It it makes sense enough. It it seems plausible enough. And, um, it, it it sets up a nice, a nice little scene at the end there where we see, uh, it all go wrong. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that about 
that's about everything we need to say about this episode because we will be back next week. Yeah, so if you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at BreakingBadGDT. That's GDT Growth Decay Transformation. And you can write to us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. And send us your feedback and questions because we definitely would like to hear what you think about what's been happening here. And you can also find producer Talitha's Instagram at Talitha Makes Things. That's Talitha, T-A-L-I-T-H-A. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week.